The Darkives are a collection of the paranormal, the occult, the unusual, and the strange tales from all around this world and others. This podcast contains mature themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everyone, happy October, and thank you for joining me on this very special first episode of the Dark Ives Podcast. I'm your host Colton, and if you want to be looking over your shoulder for the rest of the night, then you came to the right place. Today, we will be discussing a few entries in the haunted history of Hollywood. But before we creep up on the topic of this episode, I would ask that you reach out to me on social media. You can find The Dark Ives on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok with username at TheDarkIvesCast. And you can also check out TheDarkIves.com where my episodes will also be posted. I have also placed timestamps for each section of this episode in the show description. Hollywood is one of the most iconic parts of American culture. Movies and television are more prevalent in our lives than ever before. Nowadays, it seems like every media company has its own streaming service. And much of the cultural discussion and discourse on social media revolves around movies, television, and animation. Hollywood, at its best, represents fame, success, riches, glamour, and happiness. But this is often not always the case. As I'm sure many of you are already aware, Hollywood has an infamous dark underbelly of crime, abuse, scandals, death and murder, and yes, even hauntings. Ghosts of Hollywood stars past creep around in many notable locations and some paranormal activity has been reported on the sets of many films, mostly horror, which brings us to our first chilling tale, The Filming of The Conjuring. The Conjuring is a supernatural horror film that released domestically on July 19, 2013. It probably doesn't need an introduction, as I'm sure many of you have probably seen it, or one of its sequels or spinoffs. But for the uninitiated, The Conjuring follows the story of Ed and Lorraine Warren, two paranormal investigators and self-proclaimed demonologists, as they try to rid the Perrin family of the unholy entity that has infested their new home and lives. The Conjuring was a wild success. The film grossed $319.5 million worldwide against a budget of just $20 million. Critics and moviegoers alike gave the movie overwhelming praise and of course it kicked off a successful franchise that is still kicking almost 10 years later. Personally, I loved the film. I think I was in the 8th grade when it came out and the scene where the witch jumping off the dresser is just forever engraved in my mind. Sadly, I don't think any of the follow-ups ever achieved what the first movie did but I am invested in this franchise and I hope to be proven wrong one day. You may know the movie, but have you heard the true story behind it? I'll give you a rundown before we dive into the filming, but let me know if you'd like to hear an entire episode about this haunting because there is a lot to cover. It all began in January of 1971. Roger and Carolyn Perrin moved into their new 14-room house in Harrisville, Rhode Island, along with their five daughters, April, Cindy, Christine, Nancy, and Andrea. The 18th century home was said to have seen the deaths of many of its residents, most notably Bathsheba Sherman, who was said to be a witch, and she was rumored to have sacrificially murdered her infant baby with a knitting needle. 
The events that transpired after the parents moved in are much more frightening than any movie could be. The haunting began almost immediately. Initially, when the family discovered the paranormal behavior, they believed it to be harmless. The children soon began to see these spirits as playmates and even babysitters. They reported that they would play games with the spirits in their downtime. However, it was not long before these events would take a dark turn. Ranted smells and nightly visitors began to increase. Carolyn, the mother, soon became the target of the angry spirit of the witch Bathsheba. Andrea Perrin once said, Whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself to be the mistress of the house, and she resented the competition my mother posed for that position. In one night, Carolyn was even threatened by the apparition of a gray woman, and she would inexplicably have odd bruises all over her body, and once she found a circular cut on herself. The bleeding wound was in the shape of a knitting needle. Enter Ed and Lorraine Warren. A close family friend of the Warrens attended a lecture the couple were presenting in Connecticut and promptly told the parents about them and their methods. Lorraine was said to be a psychic medium, someone who was able to see and speak with the dead. When the Warrens first arrived to the Rhode Island home, Lorraine immediately felt a dark presence and believed the family to be telling the truth. So a seance was held, in the basement of all places. The climax of the film was based on this basement seance, and much like the movie, shit hit the fan. Carolyn became possessed. Andrea, the eldest of the children, was watching in secret, against the wishes of her parents and the Warrens. She had this to say about the events. My mother began to speak a language not of this world and in a voice not her own. Her chair levitated and she was thrown across the room. Interestingly enough, and unlike the movie, the Warrens did not actually do anything to stop the hauntings and Carolyn just returned to normal on her own. Paranormal events would still happen until the family had enough money to move out in June of 1980. That is until 2012. The filming of The Conjuring began in February of 2012. Some of the most notable occurrences happened to actresses Vera Farmiga and Joey King. Farmiga, who portrayed Lorraine Warren, was still in the process of signing on to the film while on the phone with the director, James Wan. She had just agreed to play the role and they said goodbye. Immediately following the phone call, Farmiga says, I opened the computer screen and there were three digital claw marks from the upper right diagonal to the lower left. But this would not be her last run-in with claw marks. Once filming had completed, Farmiga returned to her home in upstate New York, and she said she had a good, restful night's sleep. That is until she woke up to find three identical claw mark bruises across her thigh, almost as if the entity was letting her know that it wasn't going anywhere. But the actress had said that her time as Lorraine Warren had prepared her for this, and she was adamant about not feeling fear as to not give it power. Actress Joey King, who portrayed one of the daughters, Christine Perrin, told Howard Stern in a 2020 interview that while they were filming these scenes with the mother of her starting to have these bruises just appear all over her, she began to notice mysterious bruises too. King, who was only 12 at the time, began to show them to the film crew, and she said that the makeup department had thought she stole some of their fake bruises in order to play a prank, but they realized they were real when they wouldn't wash off with alcohol. So she went to the doctor, and after many blood tests, she was diagnosed with ITP, a platelet disorder. She said that while filming, she had to take an increasing amount of iron supplements, just like the mother in the movie. She had her blood tested twice a day. It was that serious. 
But once she returned home after filming, her blood returned to completely normal levels. No more ITP. King also went on to say that she never had blood problems before or since the filming, and that she did not have any family with any blood problems. And now, quite easily, the most disturbing story from the set. While filming, some of the real Perrin family came to visit the production of the film. Andrea Perrin, who began her own book series about her experience the year prior, had said that when they got there, an invisible force or gust violently swept through the set, knocking down equipment, knocking down everything in its path. Props and cameras sent flying away, all the while the surrounding trees did not move. Andrea had stated that whatever it was, it had a similar presence to the spirits that haunted her youth. While this happened, like the same exact day, the real Carolyn, who had refused to visit the set, fell and broke her hip so badly she fainted and was rushed to the hospital. She said that while she was in the hospital bed, she could feel the presence of Bathsheba in the room. Spooky stuff. The youngest of the sisters, Cindy, now a middle-aged woman, found herself running in fear from the actress who played the dead witch and hiding behind Patrick Wilson, who played Ed Warren. And it was right after this exact moment when the family received the call about their mother being taken to the hospital. Other occurrences include director James Wan's dog uncharacteristically barking at an unseen presence while he was working on the film alone one night, with Wan accrediting this to the nature of the film. Producer Rob Cowan recounted the props in the Warrens' basement, and if you haven't seen the film, this is where the Warrens keep the cursed objects from each of their investigations, had begun moving around inexplicably. In particular, a wooden pig would often be found in places it wasn't left by the crew. On another occasion, the entire cast and film crew had to evacuate their hotel because it caught fire in the middle of the night. When asked about these strange happenings on set, the real Lorraine Warren, a console of the film, had referred to it as interference and was surprised that there wasn't more. Wow. Obviously, I only needed to cover the basics of the real haunting, but there's so much more to say about this case that I couldn't do it justice while also covering the film. So really let me know if you'd like to hear a full episode. The Poltergeist. The movie that made TV static scary. The Poltergeist is one of the most iconic additions to the horror genre. Releasing in June of 1982, it was a hit. It inspired a franchise consisting of two sequels and a reboot. The story revolves around the Freeling family who have just moved into their new house that was secretly built atop a burial ground. When their young daughter, Carol Ann, is spirited away into the other side, the family must find a way to bring her back into the physical world while also avoiding all types of supernatural attacks. Jo Beth Williams, who played the mother, Diane Freeling, had filmed a scene where she falls into a large muddy pit in the backyard where they are building their pool, and at the bottom she is attacked by the skeletal remains of the dead buried there. The actress came to find out after the scene that the skeleton props used weren't props at all. The film crew had actually used real human remains to save money because apparently fake skeletons are more expensive and many people believe that is the cause of the so-called poltergeist curse. The common fears of dolls and clowns can join in the film when in a famous scene, the son, Robbie Freeling, is attacked by his toy, a super creepy clown doll. The spirits of the dead possess the toy and it begins to strangle the boy. 
Robbie's actor, Oliver Robbins, was nearly choked to death during the filming of this if it had not been for producer Steven Spielberg, the only person on set who could tell the boy was in distress. He then released the contraption from the boy's neck and pulled him away. Who knows what would have happened otherwise, said the actor. The night before Halloween in 1982, just months after the film's release, actress Dominique Dunn, who portrayed Dana Freeling in the film, was strangled by her boyfriend John Thomas Sweeney until she was unresponsive. She was taken to Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, where she was found to be brain dead, and her parents consented to have her taken off of life support just a few days later, and the actress sadly passed away at the age of 22 on November 4, 1982. Sweeney served only six years in prison after being charged with second-degree murder. He testified that all he remembered from the event was being on top of Dominique with his hands around her neck. However, Sweeney had been violent with her before, and by all accounts, it was an abusive relationship. Unfortunately, this is not the only untimely death to happen to a cast member. Heather O'Rourke, the actress who played Carol Ann, the youngest of the Freeling family who was abducted by the spirits, prized her role twice more in the sequels. Unfortunately, she passed away on February of 1988, just four months before the final entry of the Poltergeist trilogy was released into theaters. Her death was attributed to congenital stenosis of the intestine. She was only 12 years old. Some reports during the filming of the 1990 movie Ghost was haunted by the ghost of O'Rourke. Both were filmed at Stage 19 of Paramount Studios. Interestingly, she also shot scenes here for Happy Days on that very set and Stage 19 has had reports of paranormal activity since Citizen Kane was filmed there. In the second installment of the Poltergeist franchise, many disturbances took place on set. Shadowy figures were reported to be seen, strange noises were heard coming from the film equipment, and lights were shorting out and constantly falling on set. Actor Will Sampson, a Native American shaman who portrayed Taylor in the film, performed a cleansing ritual to ward off the negative energy and spirits. Apparently this did help, and the crew was able to finish production without issue. Sadly, the next year, Will Sampson died from kidney failure in 1987, just one day short of the five-year anniversary of the first Poltergeist film. During the filming of Poltergeist 3, a special effects sequence that involved a controlled explosion became uncontrollable and caught fire to multiple vehicles on set. Six people were badly injured, including two firefighters. Eyewitnesses had said the explosion took the shape of a large ball of fire and that it appeared to be chasing people on set. Yes, you heard that right. But the so-called poltergeist cursed wasn't restricted to film only, as the author of the novelization of the film was also affected. James Kahn was working on the book one night when his home was struck by lightning. It caused his air conditioner unit to explode, hitting him in the back. In the 2015 reboot of the original film, director Gil Keenan had multiple paranormal experiences. He said, and I quote, The house that I rented during the filming was straight up legit haunted by a female spirit dressed in black. I became aware of her within the first few days of staying in the house, and only after I left did I receive a call from the previous owner who had moved back in who was terrified by the goings-on in the house and wanted to see if I had experienced any of it. Keenan went on to say that the spirit would follow him from the movie set and back home every day. 
No one can say for sure what the reasoning behind all these deaths and accidents were, and if nothing else, they are some extremely unnerving coincidences. The Poltergeist still remains as one of the most famous of the Hollywood haunted house trope in horror, and home to one of the most mysterious phenomenons in Hollywood history. Rest in peace to all of the cast and crew who are no longer with us. The Omen The Omen is, once again, a supernatural horror film. The 1976 movie follows U.S. Ambassador Robert Thorne and his wife Kathy as they begin to suspect that their child may be the Antichrist and the chaos that follows. After the success of The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, it was a shoe-in with the box office and critics alike. The devil was very in in that time. The Omen is considered to be one of the most cursed film productions of all time. A multitude of accidents, deaths, and animal attacks have given this film a very shoddy reputation, which has left many fans with the inclination that something darker was happening during the creation of this movie. For starters, Robert Thorne's actor Gregory Peck, his son, sadly died from suicide two months before filming would begin, just after Peck had signed on for the role. Peck was cited to have put his all into the film after this, hoping to guide his grief in a meaningful way, but this was only the first of many tragedies to befall the cast and crew. Special effects designer for the film, John Richardson, was working on another film in Holland after completing work for The Omen when he and his wife and fellow special effects designer Liz Moore were struck head-on while driving by another car late at night. One of the front tires came crashing through the windshield, decapitating Moore. Richardson had said that when he came to, he saw a road sign. The sign was for the town of Amen, spelled like Omen but with an extra M. The sign had said the town was 66.6 kilometers away. Liz Moore's death is eerily similar to a scene involving a vehicular decapitation in the Omen, a scene that Richardson had designed. In the Omen, there is a scene where Kathy Thorne takes her son Damien to a drive-through wildlife enclosure. While they make their way through the baboon exhibit, the primates begin to go feral, attempting to attack the car and the passengers within. Director Richard Donner had said that Kathy's actor, Lee Remick's screams were in fact real as production had placed a real baboon in the car with them as to rile up the others. Everything went fine as they had an animal trainer in the car with them as well. However, the very next day, the trainer was killed at another job by a tiger. Producer Harvey Bernard recounted the event saying, he grabbed him by the head and killed him instantly. Another animal-related incident occurred when a group of trained Rottweilers actually attacked a stuntman while filming defying their trainer. The dogs ripped at the stuntman, even tearing through his protective suit. The stuntman was able to get away, but he was almost mauled to death in the process. Stuntman Alf Joint had a near-death experience while working on a film called A Bridge Too Far after his work on The Omen. For a scene, he was supposed to jump off of a building onto a large airbag, a stunt he had completed multiple times before. There was no reason to believe it could go sideways. However, he reportedly jumped in an unusual way and fell away from the bag. He was hospitalized for his severe condition, but he lived. After gaining consciousness, he stated that he felt like he had been pushed, even though no one was near him. Members of the cast also survived two separate bombings by the Irish Republic Army while filming in London. If coincidental deaths, 
accidents, terror attacks, and animal attacks weren't enough to convince you the strange happenings on set were paranormal, then perhaps this will. In October of 1975, actor Gregory Peck was flying over the Atlantic when his plane was struck by lightning, almost causing the pilot to execute an emergency landing on the water. Just a few short weeks later, producer Mace Newfield had the same exact experience. Lightning struck his plane over the Atlantic. Later, a third lightning bolt struck the plane that screenwriter David Selter was on. But the airline accidents don't stop there. When a plane the production had rented to film aerial shots for the Omen was instead delayed and rented to another group, the plane took off and it flew into a flock of birds, causing the plane to crash. Multiple people sadly died in this wreck, however the exact number of deceased is unknown. Creepily enough, the promotional tagline for this movie reads, If something frightening happens to you today, think about it. The next entry isn't actually a movie, it is a series. The supposed curse that follows the show was just too interesting not to include. Glee. Glee, as I'm sure many of you know, is a musical comedy drama series that aired on the Fox network from 2009 to 2015. IMDb describes the show as, A group of ambitious misfits try to escape the harsh realities of high school by joining a glee club headed by a passionate Spanish teacher. When high school Spanish teacher Will Schuster becomes the director of the school's failing glee club, The New Directions, he hopes to be able to rejuvenate it. This show was always very controversial during its run, and likewise, the existence of a curse is also controversial. So I'd like to say that I don't mean any disrespect to anyone involved in the series creation, and especially those that have passed. There is an overwhelming amount of tragedies that could all be completely explainable events, but with claims of a haunted set as well, it does cross one's mind if there was an unexplainable source of these happenings. For starters, an extra who played a role as a cheerleader from the beginning of the series until the end has a series of videos posted online speaking about the hauntings on set. TikToker EDGibson01 stated that assistant director Jim Fuller, who had worked close with her and her fellow extras, had first introduced her to the haunting problem telling her to never walk to her holding area by herself. He claimed the studio was haunted by the ghost of a young actress. Now they didn't film at Paramount Stage 19, where Heather O'Rourke supposedly haunts, but they did film at Paramount Stages 11, 12, 14, and 15. So not too far away to discredit any coincidence there. The TikToker went on to say that many people working on set would share strange stories and occurrences that happened while filming. Unfortunately, after working on Glee for many years, Jim Fuller passed away in his sleep on September of 2013. But he wasn't the first death the show had seen. Two months before the passing of Jim Fuller, the show had lost its leading man. Corey Monteith, who played the quarterback Finn Hudson, had died of a drug overdose in a hotel in Vancouver. These two tragic deaths so close together were only the beginning of the so-called Glee curse that would carry on long after the show's finale. The following year, production assistant Nancy Motes became the third death Glee had seen while it was on air. 
Sadly, Motes had committed suicide via pill overdose in a Los Angeles home. Motes was the half-sister of Julia Roberts and claimed a severe estrangement from her family and that Roberts' abuse had pushed her over the edge. Even once the series ended, death did not stop occurring. In December of 2015, only months after the series finale had aired, actor Mark Soling, who portrayed Noah Puckerman, was arrested and charged with the possession of child pornography. He pled guilty to two child pornography charges in 2017, but before he was able to make it to his sentencing, he took his own life on January 30th, 2019. And most recently in 2020, actress Naya Rivera, who portrayed Santana Lopez, drowned while boating with her son in Lake Piru in Southern California. Her young son was found in their boat alone. Her body was found five days later on the seven-year anniversary of Corey Monteith's death. There is so much more to this glee curse than I can include. This topic could have been its own episode and there was just so much to cover. So let me know if that's something you'd like to hear one day. But for now, I place a link to a video on YouTube titled Glee Foreshadowing Real Life Events for four minutes. It's a pretty interesting watch and very chilling if you're a follower of the show or its curse. So many real horror stories out there and we've barely scratched the surface. I'm obviously a believer in the paranormal and if I wasn't, some of these entries just might make one out of me. Some of these movies have an eerie screen presence that goes beyond what filmmakers can do alone. Maybe there is something to it. Hollywood is a very interesting place to say the least and the best we can do is put the pieces together. That is all I have for you guys today. Thank you for joining me again for the very first file of the Dark Eyes. If you would like more content or to hear about future episodes, feel free to reach out to me on my TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram with username at the Dark Eyes Cast. Don't forget to click follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on to support the Dark Eyes so I can continue to put out as much content as I can. Let me know whatever creepy things you'd like to see covered, and if you have your own personal paranormal story, I'd love to hear that as well. Until next time, cover your windows, lock your doors, and I'll see you on the other side. Ha 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 ha!